This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John. Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. And Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under a fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This is the gospel of the Lord. And you may be seated. Good morning, all. Welcome to Christ the King and happy second Sunday in Epiphany. Uh, My name is Chris, and I'm a member here and your guest preacher for this morning. It's always such an honor to worship with you all as this family of faith, but it's a really special honor for me this morning to get to actually come and share the Word of God. So I hope you all are enjoying these uh, snow-ish days or snow-y days, however you want to call them, uh, and that you will be able to slow down and observe MLK Day tomorrow even with the frigid temperatures and possible snow again coming. The Northwest Arkansas MLK Council has a series of recommitment to justice events that are happening throughout this weekend. Some of those have already happened, um, and any of the events today or tomorrow, specifically tomorrow there's a um, MLK Youth Dreamers Breakfast, uh, and then a walk, uh, walk for freedom, and a noon vigil. Those usually take place on campus. Those will be virtual. So we will be home tomorrow because it is very cold. So I encourage you uh, as people who are committed to Jesus and therefore people who are committed to justice and the redemption of humankind to be thoughtful and to intentionally observe MLK Day tomorrow. You can find out how to join those virtual events on nwamlk.org, or you can just do the 21st century thing and Google MLK MLK Day events in Fayetteville. Uh, That works too. Um, one One of Pastor Ashley's yearly practices is to read letters to a Birmingham jail. This is specifically uh, to, to think through and to observe MLK's challenge, Dr. King's challenge to the white moderate, to the white churches during the day who are turning a blind eye away from racism. And we can take that challenge today. So she reads that every year. She also has encouraged us to listen uh, to a sermon, maybe one of Dr. King's sermons, allowing both of those practices to challenge us and to remind us that it's just, just as Dr. King said, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. So may the love of Jesus move us to a recommitment of justice this week, tomorrow, specifically on MLK Day and throughout this Epiphany season. Let's start receiving God's word with prayer. Jesus, thank you for your presence this morning, and thank you that you love us more than we could ever hope or ever imagine. Would you be near to us this morning as we hear and receive your word? Would you show us your intentionality 
and your specificity and your love towards us as a congregation and individually as well. Lord, would you move us towards faith in our doubt and away from cynicism? May you move us towards justice as we see your glory and away from selfishness and tribalism. Thank you for the season of epiphany, Lord. May you make yourself known and show us your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We're now a week removed from Christmas tide and well into this liturgical season called Epiphany. Now, Ashley spoke to Epiphany a lot last week, so I'm not going to go over it like a ton in detail, but I do think it's important for us, especially those of us who are newer Anglicans like myself, to be reminded consistently of where we land in the liturgical calendar and how that actually helps us see Jesus more. I think Ashley said last week, the liturgical calendar is great, but if it doesn't help us know and see Jesus more, what's the point? So Epiphany means manifestation, and it's a season where Christians remember and celebrate the glory of God being revealed in Jesus, specifically through his birth. We remember this by celebrating when the Magi visit Jesus. The church has also intentionally remembered Jesus' baptism, which we read about and actually preached on last week. The Feast of Epiphany on January 6th kicks off a six-week season leading up to Lent, which gives us an intentional chance to slow down, to reset and refocus on the glory of Jesus, which I think I can speak for all of us we all need. And how intentional the Lord is to give us this season right now, knowing that at the end of a year where things were busy and full and probably sad, coming out of Christmas, this is arguably the most wonderful but probably the most hard time of the year, we get to step straight into Epiphany. And it gives us a few weeks to stop, to take a really deep breath, to reset and refocus on the glory of Jesus. Last week, Ashley explained that the glory of Jesus is not this huge, in-your-face, shining glory that many of us have so come to think about. There is part of that. You've got to hear me this morning. That is the Shekinah glory of God. We've seen that when we preach over the transfiguration a couple months ago. We even see that at the end of this passage where Jesus says, you'll see the Son of Man ascending and descending with angels from heavens opened up. That is the glory. That's part of the glory of Jesus. But the glory of Jesus that we see in Epiphany is so much more subtle. Because the glory of someone is when the fullness of that person is revealed. The fullness of who that person is supposed to be. And Jesus is love. He is God. And we see the fullness of his glory on the cross. And when he is birthed. When God decided to step down as a human being because of his love and his desire for his creation and his people. That's when we see the glory of Jesus. The glory of Jesus, the glory of God is Jesus in his fullness. It is much less flashy. It is sacrificial. It is humble. And it is honest. And something that Ashley said last week, it it struck me and it's really stuck with me throughout this week, is that Epiphany remembers the Magi visiting Jesus and seeing the, the manifestation of the glory of God. And so when they visited him, when the Magi visited Jesus, they visited a king. But where was he when they visited him? He wasn't in a palace. And he wasn't being actively worshipped. By the time the Magi made it to see Jesus, he was probably living in a normal house with his normal parents, living a normal life. 
The glory of Jesus is that he made his home with us, and he loved us enough to invite us into his story so that in the mundane and the ordinary of our everyday lives, we could seek and live into the kingdom of God. And that is such good news, church. And in our passage from this morning, we see the glory of Jesus. We see the fullness of who he is. Make a way for our brother Nathaniel and therefore us to understand and encounter what this season of epiphany has for us. In our passage this morning, we get a pretty brilliant glimpse into invitation, which I think is not just the theme of epiphany, but probably the theme of the Christian life. And what I mean by that is that when Jesus asks us to follow him, it is always an invitation. It is never forced or coerced. We have a standing invitation to know him and to love him, to draw nearer to him in relationship regarding the circumstances of our life. And because of that, we can invite those around us into that love without having any shame, without having to force people into following Jesus. Just as we are invited to follow Jesus, we also invite other people to do the same. Just before our passage from this morning, Jesus has an encounter with two disciples of John the Baptist who asked Jesus, where are you going? And instead of Jesus explaining to them exactly where he's going geographically or maybe some meta explanation of the kingdom of God, all he says is come and see. And one of those disciples just before our passage this morning was Andrew, who's the brother of Simon, who is Peter, the rock. Andrew accepts this invitation and went and found his brother, who also started following Jesus. So we see this effect right away. Jesus says, come and see, Andrew, and he goes and finds his brother. And they automatically start following Jesus. From there, we get into our passage this morning, which starts off by saying that Jesus found Philip, who was from the same city as Peter and Andrew. And I think what that allows us to assume or um, possibly maybe imagine is actually a better word. What, what we imagine from that is that Jesus, Andrew, and Peter got a chance to know one another. And at some point in the conversation, they started talking about who else could come along as a disciple of Jesus. Imagine for me just a moment, a conversation between Jesus and Andrew and Peter. Maybe they're at breakfast. Maybe they're having a coffee or drinking some wine. And Jesus just says, the Son of God, the, the Messiah of God, the creator of all of the universe, says, who do you guys think we should bring along? As if he didn't already know. It's another picture of Jesus inviting us into his work. But however it happened, Jesus finds Philip, who's all in. And then Philip, presumably doing the same thing as Andrew and Peter, maybe having a conversation with Jesus, brainstorming, who do we get? Who would be good to follow Jesus? Who's been really excited about the Messiah? He goes to find Nathaniel. And in this experience, this encounter, it is so good. And we have so much to learn because it is so human. When Philip finds Nathaniel, he says, We have found him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. And Nathanael's response, his doubt, is so important. He says, can anything good come from Nazareth? Now that was not the response of Andrew and Peter or Philip, who at least from the accounts we have were like all in right away. But all of these different people presumably believed the same thing, that their God, Yahweh, 
would provide their people a Messiah who would free them from the bondage of the empire and of sin. And so what's, what's interesting for us this morning is that Andrew and these other people responded so, so excitedly, but we see Nathaniel in his honesty and in his doubt. So he asked the question, why was his initial response doubt? What was driving that doubt from our brother Nathaniel? Maybe it was fear that the Messiah actually would be a fake. A lot of people claim to be the Messiah in those days. They actually still claim to be the Messiah in those days. My wife and I visited my wife's sister Hannah in Israel just a few years ago when she was living there doing uh, some justice work. And there were pictures, there were like flyers around town for people that were claiming to be the Messiah. This is still a thing. So maybe Nathaniel had, had followed a Messiah who he thought, or someone who claimed to be the Messiah, who turned out to be a fraud. Or maybe it was fear that this dude, this Jesus of Nazareth, actually was the Messiah, and Nathaniel knew that his life was about to radically change. Or maybe it was just straight prejudice or racism for the people of Nazareth. Or maybe, this is my favorite thought process about this passage. Maybe John was making a joke and he knew that Nathaniel had an ex-girlfriend from Nazareth and he was like, what? I think whatever it was, I think it's important for us to know offhand and without fail that doubt is human. And so many of us doubt in our lives. And y'all, we do not talk about it enough. We doubt Jesus. We doubt each other. We doubt ourselves. And like Nathaniel, whatever his reasons, we surely doubt folks who claim to have found a good thing, don't we? Start listing off the list in your mind. Let me give you a couple things to think through. When a family member or a friend member rolls in claiming they know the next best thing, and they start talking to you about intermittent fasting, <laughs> right? Or they start talking to you about the Enneagram. Yo, I found this great book. Did you read it? way back to me, way back to you, road back to you, whatever. <laughs> or non-alcoholic spirits, right? So whatever the exact reason for Nathaniel's doubt, what we know is that his whole life, and for thousands of years and to that point, his people, the Jewish people, had been waiting on the coming of a Messiah. So of course he might have some doubt on hearing that the Messiah was there. But hear me, church, I think I want us to know so clearly that God does not waste our doubt. God takes our doubt and he honors it because he knows we are human. The psalmist said that he remembers we are but dust. Doubt is not evil or wrong. It is not the opposite of faith. It is honest. And when we choose to be honest about our doubt instead of wishing it away or pretending it doesn't exist, God can use that doubt to lead us to an epiphany of who Jesus is. God can use doubt to form us into a people of faith instead of a people who are marked by bitterness or cynicism, which is so, so easily attainable from that doubt. Nathaniel's doubt did not discredit him from seeing Jesus or encountering him. As we read, and we'll talk about in just a moment, his doubt actually led him into a place of being open to wonder. Nathaniel's doubt was open to curiosity. And we cannot miss this because Nathaniel's doubt 
allowed him to be curious and to seek. He was led to Jesus. But there is absolutely doubt that I know so many of us have experienced or so many of us even in this room right now are experiencing, which shuts us off from curiosity. There is doubt that leads us into bitterness and to cynicism. It forms us into a people who shut down others and we shut down ourselves from seeing who Jesus really is. And so a prayer of mine, and I know Ashley, as we, as we talked through and pra- preached through or prayed through this sermon, a huge prayer of hers is that our doubt as a congregation would lead us to be curious and to seek answers instead of shutting down into cynicism and bitterness. As Nathaniel professes his doubt, I think we need to pay, pay close attention to his, his doubt, but also to Philip's response. Because his response to Nathaniel's doubt is an invitation. It is not a rebuke. What does he say after Nathaniel says, what good can come out of Nazareth? What does he say? Come and see. He doesn't try to convince Nathaniel that Jesus is the Messiah. He doesn't freak out on him and lecture him on why Nathaniel shouldn't doubt because it'll kill his faith. He doesn't mutter a bunch of apologetics at Nathaniel. At that point, I think it's, it's even safe to assume that Nathaniel's doubt may have led him to bitterness with an incorrect response or a dishonoring response is maybe a better way to put it. But Nathaniel gets a good response from Philip, praise God. Because Philip is secure enough in Jesus that he doesn't need to convince Nathaniel of anything. He just invites him to come and to see, which is exactly what Jesus did for Andrew and the other disciple of John the Baptist before this passage. When we are faced with doubts ourselves or those around us face those doubts, how do we respond? Do we freak out and try to convince the other person or ourselves that doubt is the opposite of faith? Or that we're in danger? How many times have we heard another Christian gossip about someone saying, oh, they're going off the deep end? They started listening to the Liturgist podcast. I think you read a Rob Bell book. When in reality, I think that person very well may just be experiencing doubt and starting to ask big questions And they need us to invite them to Jesus, not to freak out about them. And can I just say that of course we have big questions and of course we press in because we're human and God has given us brains, a brain, each of us. And as Pastor Ashley would said, use it. We have freedom as Christians made in the Imago Dei, loved by the very real God of the universe to use our brains. And that is a miracle. And it doesn't have to be scary. It can be beautiful when done in community, when we invite each other into the presence of who Jesus is. So how do we respond to each other's doubt? How do we respond to our own doubt? 
Y'all, Epiphany is a season where we respond as a church to Jesus' invitation to come and to see his glory. We bring our doubts and our fears and our insecurities. Everything we have gained or picked up from this last year, we bring to this season at the start of the liturgical calendar, and we respond to the invitation to see the glory of Jesus. Because Nathaniel's doubt was open to curiosity and wonder, he decided to go with Philip to come and see. And then we get a picture of one of the many reasons that I love Jesus so much. When Nathaniel gets to Jesus, he says, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathaniel, obviously a little suspect still, asks, How did you get to know me? I think that's a super fair question. And Jesus knows exactly the thing that Nathaniel needs to hear. He tells him that he saw him under the fig tree before Philip called him. And Nathaniel breaks down in wonder, proclaiming that Jesus is surely the Son of God, the King of Israel. Jesus knew that Nathaniel needed to be seen in that moment, to be known. And Nathaniel's doubt, whatever caused it, was not overlooked and it was not made little of. Jesus saw his doubt and he saw the specific need that Nathaniel had to be seen and Jesus met him there. And can I be so bold this morning to say that so many of us need to know that Jesus sees us. And listen to me, brothers and sisters. Jesus sees you. And if you hear me this morning and don't believe that, let me just say one more time. Jesus sees you. And he loves you. And he is inviting you to come and see his glory in this season. Here's how I know that. He has shown us time and time again through his word, his Holy Spirit's presence, his church, that he knows our frame and he knows that we are but dust. Our psalm from this morning reminds us that he knit us together in our mother's womb. It says that he traces our journeys and knows our resting places. He is acquainted with all our ways. And what if Philip had been saying or reflecting on Psalm 139 when he was under the fig tree? What if he was reciting this, saying, Lord, you know my journeys, you know my resting places, as he was in his resting place? And so when Jesus said, I saw you under the fig tree, what would that mean to him? Or what if Philip had been meditating on the story from 1 Samuel 3 that Sarah read? Or Elisha, my bad, first reader. What if he had been thinking through the way that it was amazing that God called Samuel and he was just so desperately wanting to be called by God? I think whatever it is, the liturgy this morning, the men and the women that put together these readings did it very intentionally because all of these passages weave together the same idea that God sees us and he knows us. And if we are willing in our doubt to be curious, we can see his glory again during this season of Epiphany. And as Jesus told Nathanael, you will see heaven opened and all the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. 
Or in other words, he said, you haven't seen anything yet. Just wait. You will see my glory now and forevermore. And may we see the glory of God as we press in the season. May God use this season to allow us to reset and be reminded of who Jesus is, why he is worthy of following and loving and giving our lives. May our doubt be curious. And may it lead us to faith. May our faith then lead us to justice and to walking in the Holy Spirit and learning to be the church. Jesus, thank you for your presence with us. Thank you for the way that you speak through your word. And may we hear you clearly that you see us and you love us. And may we say yes to your invitation. In Jesus' name.